Okay, so this is session eight in our Master Gardening for the Soul series. In 3 John, verse 2, God says, I desire above all things that you prosper and are in health, even as your soul prospers. The prosperity of our life or the fullness of our life is directly in proportion to the prosperity or the wholeness in our soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Our health is in direct proportion to the health of our soul. Our physical health is in direct proportion to the health of our soul. We see that in the world, in the medical world. It's very well documented and researched that a lot of disease is um, caused, the root cause is stress or stuff in your life. And that really has an impact on your physical health. So medical science has proven God's word. God's word has proven medical science, however you want to look at it. This scripture is one that I, I shared a couple weeks ago. It's James 1.21, and it is on the screen. So throw away all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with his word, making a salvation garden of your life. So throw away the yuck, throw away the lies, throw away the woundedness, throw away the unforgiveness, throw away the stuff, the trauma, the soul ties, all the stuff that we've been talking about. God says, let me change things around. Let me be the master gardener. Let me do it with my word. And then he says, and what will be the result? you will become a salvation garden. Your life will become a salvation garden with all that salvation holds. Salvation, wholeness, healing, prosperity, fullness of joy, peace, everything that God's grace contains. God, that's his desire for us. That's his will for us. So over the last several weeks, we've looked at several possible roots that God has been doing an amazing job of uncovering and revealing so that his truth can replace anything that you may have bought. Remember, the enemy has no power over us unless we give it to him. He's been stripped of all of his authority and power. We have authority and power, the same authority and power as Jesus, as Fran and Tom were talking about and praying with that authority. So, the roots we've talked about are the first root was the root of woundedness. And we looked at how when we forgive, then we gain freedom. We looked at the root of lies and how lies are a deceptive trick of the enemy. And our part is to replace lies with truth. The third thing that we looked at was fear. God says, don't fear, only believe. So we looked at the importance of, of saying no to fear. And not receiving it. We have a choice. We talked about that for a few weeks. And then we looked at soul entanglements or ties. And how we can have toxic relationships that can cause us to be enmeshed in our soul with other people. And it needs to be unmeshed and separated so that we can be in a place of health. And not entangled with other people. And their, their, um, their, any damage that it might cause to our soul. And today, we're going to go into this fifth area, which is the area of trauma. 
So the first thing I want to do is to define according to the world what trauma is. Now let me just say, this is the default of the world. This isn't God. This isn't God's plan. This is what you see out there in the world. The issue is, you may think this is like what you have to accept, and it isn't. The world says you do, but God says no. So this is what the world says. Trauma is the Greek word for wound. Although the Greeks used that term in the past, when it, was, when it was started, when that word was created, they used it only for physical injuries. But nowadays, trauma is just as likely to refer to emotional wounds. In addition, psychologists and the world now say that a traumatic event can leave psychological symptoms long after any physical injuries have healed. And now there's a title or a diagnosis for this issue. It's called post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. In the, the world, it occurs after an extremely stressful event, such as wartime combat, a natural disaster, sexual or physical abuse, or something like that. And its symptoms include things like depression, anxiety, flashbacks, and recurring nightmares. So here is something that started as uh, a physical injury, and I believe that this is um, uh, almost like a uh, downward spiral of, of the effects of trauma that has come over time as the world has received it. Started out with physical injuries, went to emotional stuff that were rooted in the physical injury, went on to this diagnosis, lifelong thing called PTSD. And we've seen that happen over our lifetime. We've seen that grow, and it has become literally an epidemic in our world. Here's another definition of trauma. It's a little simpler. Two, it's got two parts. It's either a serious injury to a, to a personal body, to a person's body, or a very difficult or unpleasant experience that may cause someone to have mental or emotional problems, usually for a long time. And those traumas can be either intentionally um, started such as uh, sexual assault or terrorism or combat, or they can be unintentional. They can have an unintentional source, such as natural disasters or accidents. So that's a picture of what the world says trauma is. Now here's some really good news. This is truth based on the word. Jesus exchanged your trauma or torment for his comfort and peace and security. If you are in a place of trauma or post-traumatic stress, you are not in a place of peace or comfort or security. But as daughters and sons of God, we have shalom peace. We have comfort. He's the comforter. We have security. He's our protector. I'm going to show you and this is, this is, I believe, Holy Spirit. Because I didn't read this anywhere. I believe this is Holy Spirit. Jesus is, when Jesus died on the cross, he took upon himself our trauma. He took torture. He took torment. I believe that was part of the great exchange. We have looked at many different parts of the great exchange. How Jesus became poor, that we might become 
rich. And when I say rich, I mean having your needs met. He became sick so that we could be healed. He became broken so that we could become whole. He took our sins so that we could be free from sin. There are so many degrees of the great exchange that Jesus came to provide for us through redemption. But I believe this is another piece. He took torment, torture, and trauma so that we can live without it. I'm going to show you where I see this in the word. Isaiah 53, verse 5, second part of the verse. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I chose this translation because I wanted the word wounds instead of stripes. The word wounds is the Greek word for trauma. Trauma in the Greek means wounds. By Jesus's wounds, the Greek for wounds is trauma. By Jesus's trauma, we were healed. And the first part of the scripture says that the price was paid, the punishment, the price, the penalty. He took the punishment. And by the punishment he took, we have peace. The price for our peace was upon him through the trauma that he took for us, through the wounds that he took for us. In Psalm 34, 19, God's word says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I'm going to take this into two parts. The scripture says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. The word afflictions, when I looked it up in a concordance, has all kinds of stuff. Things that are evil. It had the word malignant in there. When I think of malignant, I've dealt with too much malignant stuff. But when I think of malignant, I think of an issue that is consuming, an issue that is destructive, an issue that takes life and destroys it. That's what afflictions, that's one of the meanings of afflictions. Affliction means worst. If you are comparing things, there could be bad, there could be worse, and there could be worst. And that is an affliction. Um, injury is another meaning for affliction. Something that is vicious in disposition could be an affliction. And this scripture says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. We're righteous. Doesn't mean nothing ever's going to not, it doesn't mean nothing's gonna, bad's going to happen. But, then there's the word but. We're going to see the word but a lot. I didn't plan this, but when I started just reading back through these scriptures, it's in here over and over. When that word but is in the Bible, it means, okay, get ready for a switch. Here is something that the scripture is saying, but after the word but, God's going to give you a whole twist, a whole new twist. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. So those afflictions may be there. Those afflictions may be present, but God delivers us out of them all. Salvation has like three parts. Salvation is salvation, deliverance, and healing. Saved, healed, delivered. We're going to talk about deliverance today. Deliverance from trauma and the effects of trauma. 
The next scripture I want to share with you, and the focus right now is that Jesus paid the price. So we don't have to keep reliving it. He paid the price. John 16:33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Stuff's, stuff's in the world. Look at the world. In the world, there are tribulations, trials, distress, and frustrations. That word tribulation, when I looked it up in the concordance, can also be afflictions. That same word that was in the last scripture. Here's the word but. But be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunted. Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. That's because we're his kids and he loves us and he's taking care of us. So there's possibility for tribulation. There's possibility, but... We don't have to take the worst case scenario out of that tribulation or whatever. Aaron was in the hospital a week ago. That wasn't good. But Jesus overcame the world. He overcame the power. It's power to harm Aaron. He overcame it and he conquered it for her. And she said, okay, I want that, Jesus. (laughs) That's my plan. That's your plan for me. And we can all say that in every situation or anything that happens to come up and we can come out stronger jesus has deprived he's deprived it of its power anything that is tribulation or trial anything that appears to be a negative thing jesus says i have overcome the world and i have deprived it of its power over you yes the enemy is still in the world and yes he still is the little g god of this world but his power has been stripped he's been deprived of his power we need to use our authority as believers to stand up and say no and not receive it so this thing called trauma is out there we're going to just show you truth so that you can say no to it trauma is i believe a specific strategy another strategy of the enemy to accomplish two very important tasks in his in his realm first of all to cause damage to your body and your soul you may have had some sort of a uh, accident where your body had an injury i'm going to talk about an example later and that injury has kind of followed you and you've had to deal with it think about soldiers coming home from the war Many of them have had a physical injury that they came home with, maybe a, a limb that they've, that they've lost or, or another serious injury, and their body has been injured. It can also cause damage to your soul. But Jesus came to heal it all. So that's one of the strategies, is to cause damage to your body or your soul. Another um, strategy in this thing about trauma is for the enemy to use that event and the resulting damage on your body or your soul to torment you for the rest of your life. But he's been stripped of his power. We don't have to receive it. And I've got another but, but this is Cindy's but. This isn't God's, this isn't the scripture. But God has provided for your recovery from the effects of trauma. 
whether it was a few weeks ago or a few decades ago, it doesn't matter. He has provided recovery. God's very interested in you becoming all that you were created to be and fulfilling the reason you were created just as you were. Just because horrific things may have happened to you doesn't mean that you're stuck with all the post-traumatic effects of it. We could probably all go back and say, oh, this happened to me when I was, when, you know, 15 or 20 or whatever. We could all probably look back and see traumatic events, but that does not have to have any effect on our future. I'm going to give you some scriptures to, t- to back that up. The first one is Revelations 21.5. And he who is seated on the throne said, See, I have made all things new. Also, he said, record this, for these sayings are faithful, accurate, incorruptible, and trustworthy, and true, genuine. So first, first, the scripture says, I have made all things new. You may have had an abortion when you were 20, but God says, I have made all things new. You may have lost a loved one, tragically, But God says, I have made all things new. You may have had a serious accident or injury, but God says, I have made all things new. But he doesn't just promise that he's made it new. He he says, and my promise is good. He says, for these sayings are faithful, accurate, incorruptible, trustworthy, true, and genuine. That'd be a good declaration for you to put in front of you if you have been living in the hurt of past trauma you can say "Uh uh-uh god made all things new and his word is true incorruptible genuine and all those other beautiful words accurate trustworthy faithful true that's my god the next scripture the next promise this is a beautiful promise it's the one that we often quote i love it it's Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, this is his promise for me and for you. God says, for I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Again, as I was studying this out to to share today i went back to that scripture and how i have declared it over myself and my children for many 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 years and i was always a little bit confused about one word in there the the scripture the the form that i use i said for i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to bring you a hope in the future and i always stopped and i thought i know god doesn't harm he's good he's he's god he's a good daddy And I was always a little bit confused with that scripture. But as I was meditating on this, I believe I got a a deeper revelation. I believe that that means that he does not plan for us to live in any after effects of disaster or trauma. He says, "Uh uh-uh. He says, I have plans for peace and well-being. Remember we talked at the beginning how the enemy's plan is for um, trauma, torment, torture, and for that to keep coming 
you know, as a result of the initial trauma. But God's plan is for peace and comfort and security, not all that other stuff. And this scripture re-says that, restates it. The Lord says, I have plans for peace and well-being for you, not disaster, not tor- trauma, not torment, not torture. He has plans to give you a future and a hope. There are people that will not walk into their future because of their past. There's a lot. It's big in our nation. It's big in our world. But God says, no, I have such a better plan for you. This attack of the enemy is launched at the very core of who you are, your identity. Because if the enemy can get you to believe a lie, that that event has had an impact on your identity, then he can keep you from walking in your true identity. He can keep you living in a place of fear or a place of shame or a place of guilt or a place of unworthiness or a place of, of bitterness. And your identity can be a, a, a lie because that's not your true identity. I'm going to share two scriptures about your true identity. And these are specifically in the area of overcoming trauma. So here's the first one. 1 Peter 2, verse 10. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy. Now you've received God's mercy. Before you received Jesus as your Savior, like that man I prayed for last week or two weeks ago that was Jewish and had never received Jesus, before then, he wasn't one of God's people, even though he was Jewish, because he hadn't received the fullness of God's redemptive plan. Once we have, we have a new identity. We need to receive it, believe it, and receive it. Maybe you had a really bad experience, but God says, now you've received God's mercy and his grace, his mercy and his grace. In the next scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.16, the scripture says, for who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? That particular verse is a quote from Isaiah before Jesus was born, when he was being prophesied, but he had not yet come and lived and died and redeemed us. So before Jesus came, that was a good question. But, there's the word but, but now we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and we do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. We are one with Christ We are in Christ. Christ is in us. We have the mind of Christ. So we're talking about trauma, and trauma is in the soul. Trauma is a soul issue. Yes, it may also be a physical issue, but we're looking primarily at the root in the soul so that our soul can come into agreement with God. It's a soul issue. But if we know our true identity, and that is we have the mind of Christ, 
We don't have to live in the, the torture or the torment of that past trauma. We have the mind of Christ. So if we take this scripture and meditate on it and renew our mind with this scripture, it's a whole different story. It says we hold the thoughts and the purposes of God, of his heart in us. And like Jeremiah 29, 11, his purpose is good, a good plan and a good future. So we need to replace the enemy's lie with truth. Romans 12, 2. I love this scripture. This is the New Living Translation. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the first part of the scripture says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. We're talking about trauma tonight. At the beginning, I gave you the worldview or the definition of trauma. God says, don't copy the world's plan. We're talking about trauma tonight. So don't believe everything you hear in the world about you have to live with that thing and it's going to be a residual thing in your life forever. Before I go on to um, transforming your mind, I'm going to stop here for a sec. And I am going to read something to you. When I read this, I was so angry. I was so righteously angry. And every time I read it, I get angry all over again. This was written by a psychologist. It's an editorial that was in the New York Times a few years ago. And before I read it, this is from the pit of hell. Okay? Don't think this is true. It isn't. It is from the pit of hell. This psychologist says, I like to say that if we are not suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, we're suffering from pre-traumatic stress disorder. There's no way to be alive without being conscious of the potential for disaster. One way or another, death and its cousins, old age, illness, accidents, separation, and loss hangs over all of us. Nobody is immune. Now, I beg to differ. <laughs> because what does my God say? He says, death, where's your victory? Where's your sting? You are a vanquished foe. God says that we have life and life everlasting. God says, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. God says, our youth is renewed like the eagles. God says that we can live in peace and joy and love every day of our life. And I do. I do. How many of you do? Yeah, I choose God's way, and it's amazing. It's amazing. It's our choice. I was sharing with Joy before class the scripture that I share all the time, John 10, 10. God gave me a rhema, huge rhema about that scripture this week, and I have declared that hundreds of times and taught it hundreds of times. But there's something I didn't know until this last week. The scripture says the thief came only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy's camp. Jesus said, I came 
that they may have life and have it to the abundance. But the rhema for me was the word may. You can buy the lie of the world, even as a Christian. You can buy the lie that I just read about post-traumatic stress and pre-traumatic stress and every day that you live, you're, you, whatever it said about death and old age, and I don't even want to repeat it again. You can buy that, and you won't live the abundant life that Jesus came to give you, even as a Christian, because of a lack of knowledge, because of a lack of applying knowledge. If we choose to believe God's word, and live God's word. We can live the abundant life that he gave us. But there is a may. You may have life. Are you going to believe it and receive it? Or are you going to buy the worldview? It's your choice. In the world, this is what is expected. And I please, please, I, I feel like I'm being, um, what's the word? Talking down or being condemning. I don't want to do that at all. I'm just angry. I'm angry at what has happened in our world. So please, if you're experiencing this, I, my whole heart is to see you be healed and not experience it anymore. That's, that's my purpose in sharing. But in the world, these are the side effects of a trauma. Intrusive, upsetting memories of that traumatic event. Flashbacks nightmares or disturbing dreams about that event feelings of intense distress when reminded of the trauma intense physical reaction to the reminders of the event avoidance of activities places thoughts or feelings that remind you of the trauma and maybe an inability to remember things in the trauma because your 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 brain has protected yourself and just kind of shut off that memory and there's a whole lot more. I only listed a few of them. I'm going to give you three examples, personal examples that I have seen of this. The first one is somebody that's on our ministry team. You, we all know and love her, Kathy Bandel. And I, she would totally be okay with me sharing this because she realizes it's an issue and she came to me for prayer to deal with it. So... I know that she would be fine using this as a teaching tool. Several years ago, she went out west skiing to Colorado. And when she landed, um, she got on a specific shuttle. She loves to ski. She got on a, a shuttle, and the shuttle took her to the ski resort. But on the way to the ski resort, the shuttle got in a really serious car accident. It was very bad. There was a rollover accident. Many people were injured. Her whole ski vacation was ruined because she was injured, not terribly, but she was injured, couldn't ski. A few days ago, she flew out to the same resort. She's there now. She flew to Colorado, same resort area. She booked the same shuttle to go on the same vacation. Last week, she came to me and she said, okay, Cindy, I need prayer. Because <laughs> all that stuff's coming back to me from that accident. And I've got this stupid fear. I know I shouldn't have it. But I have this stupid fear, and I've not been able to sleep, and I keep thinking about it, and I need to stop it. So will you pray in agreement with me? What was happening was she, had, she was allowing something from her past to affect her today and this wonderful vacation that she has. So with, this is exactly what we did. 
And we're going to do this today. We're going to pray to break the effects of trauma over you, over your life, if there's anything that you know that you're kind of residually um, having effects from. So Kathy's a good example. Another example, a couple weeks ago, Kent and I went to a home to um, join them with launching my my God Says Yes Bible study. I was going to teach the first session and just pray over their study and encourage them and get them going and ready to start their their 10-week Bible study. One of the girls that's in the study, I know because she's been in another group, so I know her. I know what her need is. As I was sharing um, the first session, one of the things that I shared about was my salvation experience. And the date was in my book. It's in my, um, my God Says Yes book. The date of my salvation was February 19th, 2002. So yes, I just had a spiritual birthday on Sunday, or a week ago Sunday. Yes, yay God. And um, after the session, she came up to me, and she had my book open, and she pointed at that date. And she said, that date was the worst day of my life. That date, 30 years ago, she was in a really serious car accident. And she has had uh, seizure disorder since then as a result of the car accident. So remember the definition of trauma. The enemy's plan is to, for physical injury and soul injury and the emotional stuff that carries on, and when she pointed at my book, she, she looked just miserable. She looked scared just with that date. And she said, I won't even leave my house on February the 19th. I won't go anywhere. I just stay in my home. That's allowing the enemy to play a game in your life. You don't need to do that. First of all, God wants you whole. He wants you well. And we're believing. That's why she's in that class. We're believing that that seizure disorder is a thing of the past, that Jesus paid the price and she doesn't need to live with seizure disorder. She just didn't know any different. And so she's bought all of the effects of the post-traumatic stress. All about a date, February 19th. The third example I want to use is somebody who was diagnosed with PTSD. And this one, oh, I still get angry when I think about it. When I was a teacher, um, a little girl came to our school in first grade. She went to a different school in kindergarten. And in kindergarten, she had an accident on the playground. She had a bad fall from a piece of play equipment, and she broke her hip. After she broke her hip, she had to have surgery, and because it was where it was, she couldn't walk, so she was in a wheelchair. When she came to my school the next year, she came with an IEP. For those of you who don't know the lingo, it means Individual Education Plan. It's through the special ed department. She's a smart little girl. The reason she had an IEP was because she was diagnosed with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, a first grader. She was having nightmares. She was having peer issues, uh, social issues, playing with kids, going outside issues, afraid of the playground, all sorts of things. And the parents were feeding it. They'd gotten her this special ed certification so that we could make accommodations for her to meet her needs. When it's the enemy playing games, taking this little girl, there's a lot of kids that fall on the playground and they don't live with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Their whole life, 
It's one of the ploys of the enemy, and we can put a stop to it. I'm going to share another example, but this is the other side. This is the other side of the story. This is somebody who lived probably one of the most traumatic things I've ever seen and did not have PTSD. I think God had us watch that movie for a reason, Kent, because yesterday, last night, we watched um, Hacksaw Ridge. Have any of you guys seen that movie? Okay. That's not the kind of movie I typically watch, but one of my friends, Jenny, my, the girl who led me to, to Jesus, um, said, it's a really good movie. She put it on Facebook. And I had had this, this little thing in me, Ask Kent, for about the last month. It's like, I, I think I want to see that movie. I think I want to see that movie. I had no idea what it was about, but I, I, I think I'd seen a trailer of it or something, but I thought I wanted to see it. So we watched it last night, and it was one of the most difficult movies I've ever watched. I mean, I did a lot of it with my eyes covered. It was really hard to watch. But basically, the, this is the gist that I want to share. The man who the story was about was a true story. It was based on a true story. And this man, it was during World War II, and, and he was a conscientious objector. So he wanted to go to war because he felt a need to be with protecting his nation, not sitting at home. He wanted to go and protect his nation, but he refused to hold a gun. He refused to hold a gun. He said, I want to go as a medic. I don't want to go to kill. I want to go to save lives. And I'm willing to sacrifice my life if that happens. I just want to, to serve my nation. And so he did. And when he went, there was, there was this one battle. It was a terrible battle. The Japanese were conquering the Americans big time. He had no gun. He was there trying to save people that were being shot and injured all over the place. And the Americans had to retreat. And they did. They, they had to because they were just being completely defeated. So they all um, retreated, and there was this huge cliff wall. That's why it's called Hacksaw Ridge. And they all went down the wall, and that man, Desmond, was that his name? Desmond was at the top, and he's literally praying and saying, God, what do I do? Oh, also, he had a Bible that never left him. He was seeking God through the whole thing. It was him and God. And he said, what do I do? What do I do? And he says, okay, I know what I do. I have to go back and try to help people. His whole army had left, and he went and he spent the entire night, the entire night going back and rescuing one person at a time that was so injured that they couldn't move. One at a time, he, helped, he saved one more soldier, and he had to lower him down that cliff with this pulley rope thing that he designed and then he'd get, he was so physically exhausted, he would ask God after every person, he'd say, God, help me to save one more, just one more. And then he'd go save one more. And then he'd say, God, help me to save one more, one at a time. He prayed. He'd go save one more. He saved 75 people that night. And in the midst of saving people, the Japanese were still there, killing people all, I mean, trying to kill them. And I mean, it was awful. It was terrible, scary thing to watch but here's my point when he was discharged he did have an injury in the next battle not a serious one but he did have an injury so he was discharged he got this amazing medal because he saved more lives than anybody with a gun but when he went home he had a beautiful wife who supported him who was a woman of god together they lived out their life in fullness and happiness and abundance 
with God in their marriage. They lived a full lifespan. They both since passed away in their like 80s and 90s, really full lifespan. We hear today about combat, about people from combat, so many of them with PTSD. That man, if anybody had a reason to have that trauma follow him through his life, he did. But he chose God. He chose life. He chose the fullness of life. And that's what God wants for us. So I'm going to go to scripture right now. I'm going to go to truth. God says, don't be conformed to the world. He says, be transformed instead. That's what this Desmond guy did. He had the Bible. It never left his hands. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Instead of allowing the enemy to transform your mind to the fear of trauma and future stuff, let God transform your mind to know his peace. Isaiah 54, 14. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. That's a promise. That's God's word. You shall be far from oppression, far from fear, far from terror. Luke 12, 52. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Whenever it talks about the kingdom of God, it refers to the royal power and authority of King Jesus over the kingdom of darkness. And we have that same royal power and authority through Christ, our Messiah. So don't be seized with alarm and struck with fear. It's God's desire to give us the kingdom. We have a choice. We can be promise-driven or we can be problem-conscious. We can be promise-driven or we can be problem-conscious. Choose the promise. But in order to do that, we need to allow our mind to be renewed with the promise. Hebrews 13, I love this. I read it last week, verses 5 and 6. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. That man that was in that battle rescuing person after person while the the enemy was there with guns and bayonets ready to kill him. God was taking care of him. God says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I will not let you go. I will not relax my hold on you. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? In 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete 
perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. There's your antidote. There's your antidote for PTSD. There's your antidote for things that you've lived in the past haunting you in the future. You don't have to live with that. The perfect love of God casts out fear. But in order for the perfect love of God to cast out fear, we need to know God. Seek him. Let him take care of you. Let him love you. He does. The last scripture I want to share with you before we go into the ministry portion is a piece of Psalm 91. Psalm 91, I love this scripture, this whole psalm. It is a psalm of protection from all evils known to mankind. Our part in receiving this amazing shield of protection is to go to God, to dwell in the shelter of the Almighty, to meet him in the secret place consistently. And when we do, the protection is ours. But once again, it's so important to know what is ours instead of to buy what the world buys. So I'm going to read just four verses. This is Psalm 91, verses 5 through 9. And I'm, I've got a little bit of a, a paraphrase in your sheet. And on the screen, you'll see the actual scripture from the Amplified Bible. So I'm just going to read the first two verses. You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. Just keep that right there for a minute. What we're going to look at are four areas that God tells us that we have protection, that we are delivered from. God has offered us deliverance from them all. All evils of mankind are included in these four areas. And God has offered us deliverance from them all if we dwell in his shelter and abide in his shadow. That just means I'm your daughter, Daddy. I'm coming to you. I'm trusting you. I'm seeking you. I'm allowing your word to renew my mind. God does the rest. So here are the four areas. The first one is the terror of the night. Terrors of the night refer to all evils that can come through man like kidnapping, robbery, assault, abuse, that kind of stuff, terrorism. All things that can come through man are terror by night. And those are often those trauma episodes that may be a part of our past that we have allowed to affect our life and our future. God says, no, you don't have to have a fear. It says, I shall not be afraid. The next one is the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day. This refers to intentional, specific enemy assignments um, that are directed toward you in any area where your mind isn't renewed by the word of God. Sometimes we have certain areas that 
frighten us. But this promise says that those assignments may rise up, but God has promised they will not hit their target. Isn't that good news? Yeah. The next one is, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness. Pestilence re refers to disease, especially epidemic kind of things or vir virulent kinds of things. We don't have to be afraid of sicknesses or epidemics in the world. We do not have to be afraid. Refuse to entertain fearful thoughts. What we allow our mind to dwell on is our choice. This is a promise. We can dwell on this promise instead of fear of the pestilence, instead of fear of the epidemics, instead of fear of the, the influenza B virus or whatever is out there right now. Um, on Saturday night, Ken and I went to a Bible study, and there was a woman there who had, she sounded not very healthy. Um, she had like a laryngitis and a bad cough, and, and, and um, I said, can I pray for you? And she says, okay. So I went lay, to lay hands on her and pray for her. And she said, my, my son and I have both been fighting this stupid influenza B and we've had it for like three weeks. It's really going around and blah, 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 blah. And as she's telling me all this stuff, it's like, God. First of all, she bought the lie. She bought it and she received it and she's lived with it for three weeks. I'm not receiving that. And I laid my hands on her and I prayed and I said, that thing has to go. And I also prayed over my body, and I, that thing's not coming. <laughs> but we have power and authority. We need to renew our minds to Godward and believe his word instead. This past week, I had a really busy, busy week. I had six teachings in eight days. And during the middle of the week, in fact, several times during the middle of the week, different things happen with my body. And it was every time something would happen, I would say, oh, no, oh, no, that's not happening to my body. And I would speak against it. I would speak specifically to my immune system. I would speak specifically God's word over my body. And that thing would leave as fast as it tried to come. We have the promise. The last area, nor of the destructive and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. This refers to evils over which we have no control, like natural disasters or accidents. God's there to protect us from those things. I have heard so many testimonies of, of people who were in the middle of a hurricane or in the middle of a flood, but they knew the promise. They declared that promise, and their home was safe. Their basement didn't get flooded. They were protected. I have known people who have been specifically protected from accidents. I believe that's happened to me on a couple of occasions where my car literally wouldn't start for no reason. My car always starts. I had to go get Kent. Kent, I don't know what's going on. I was late for work. He came out, did whatever. It started. And when I went to work, there was a, the road was closed. I had to go a different avenue different direction because there was a really serious accident. I believe that we are protected but we need to believe it. <laughs> we need to believe it and declare it. The next part of the scripture says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be, yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the most high as you witness the reward of the wicked. 
because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place. So to the degree that we trust God in this, to the degree that we trust him in that same measure, we'll reap the benefits. Destruction will not approach the one who chooses to believe and trust his word. This promise, Psalm 91, is the preventative measure that God has given to his children against every evil known to mankind, including the after effects of trauma. These are not words of comfort in affliction, but they're words of deliverance from affliction. If you are living in afflict, if you're living in the after effects of trauma, God says, oh no, I have better for you. I have deliverance from that for you. So that's what we're going to do now. We have a choice. You can choose to not allow your past to define your future. But it's your choice. You can also allow your past to define your future. I believe that's why we're talking about this tonight. To, to give you a new awareness that you don't have to live with that. God doesn't want you to live with it. He came to give you peace. He certainly didn't plan for you to live in the after effects of something that happened to you in the past. So the first step is that important step that we talk about every time, and that's the importance of forgiveness. If there was some kind of uh, trauma that you lived through that another person had a big part in, maybe it was an assault, maybe it was a robbery, maybe it was a car accident that was somebody else's fault, like a drunk driver or something like that, But whatever it was, it's really important that you let it go, that you speak out forgiveness and choose to release it so that you aren't held prison. Remember, when you're holding something, um, when when you're bitter or angry or you have unforgiveness, it's like you taking poison and wanting the other person to get poisoned. They're not going to. If you're taking the poison, you're the one that's going to be poisoned So we need to let it go. Forgive and let it go. I have a prayer here that I am going to pray over you. And I I gave you the whole prayer because this is something that you probably, if there are traumatic events that you've lived in your past, you're probably really going to want to go to God and take time to pray this with fervency. And I am going to pray with fervency, but I, I wanted to give it to you as well, to have to pray. Maybe you want to pray this with somebody in your home, maybe one of your children or your spouse. So I wanted to give you this, this prayer over the effects of trauma. So Kent, when you get a chance, will you turn on some music? And we're just going to go to the Lord, and we're going to use the authority that God has given us to break any of the harmful residual effects of any of these things that may have happened in your past. So again, I would suggest that you go to God and say, God, is there anybody I need to forgive in this area? And you'll know. Traumas are pretty, people usually know if they've had a trauma. And you'll know. And if there is, 
take time to do your forgiveness, your releasing, your letting go. And now I am going to pray. Just, just close your eyes and let these words and the life of these words and the authority of these words just settle deep in your soul and know that they are effectual. The effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that means that it is miracle working. It's powerful. It's effective. In Jesus' name, I take authority and I command all of the residual effects of trauma, spiritual, mental, emotional, sexual, and physical to be released and go to the feet of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I command your body to release the connection of memory with sights, smells, feelings, tastes, and sounds connected to the traumatic event. I take authority over your physical body and I command out of it all the long-term and short-term effects of trauma, including any physical effects of injuries, including any emotional or mental effects of stress, tension, worry, anxiety, fear, torment, or wounding. Father, I ask that you would reestablish the connections between the left and right hemispheres of your brain, bringing all chemicals, synapses, firings, and memories into balance and healing. Father, I ask that you would rebuild, reestablish, or recreate any electrical or chemical connections broken or improperly reconnected as a result of trauma so that you can once again operate within normal limits of highs and low stimulus and can remain in control emotionally when the stimulus exceeds those limits. In the name of Jesus, I tear down all existing mindsets that are not in agreement with God's truth. And I ask God to establish his kingdom mindset within you and over your family lines. Father, I ask you to reestablish the appropriate sleep pattern that you've designed for your children and bring them into sweet sleep that restores, regenerates, and renews their spirit, soul, and body. Father, I ask that you would dismantle all automatic human responses gained as a result of trauma, such as abnormal fright responses, triggers, fears, and phobias that are triggered by sights, sounds, smells, feelings, or touch. 
you no longer have to remain on guard in a heightened state of alertness. You no longer need to remain in a state of high sensitivity to people or your surroundings. You may now rest and enter into a natural state of rest and relaxation. The difficult event is over now. You are no longer in danger. There is no longer a need to remain hypersensitive for the sake of personal protection or survival. Those days are over. The danger has passed. You can finally rest. And now I'm going to speak a blessing over you. I speak a blessing over your mind. I pray, Father, that the mind of Christ that you have given to us is revealed. That there is a blessing upon our thinking, a blessing upon our our thought patterns. I pray a blessing over our emotions. I pray a blessing of peace. A blessing of comfort. A blessing of security. God, I know that is from you to us. And I just pray that it is uh, received. I speak a blessing right now over physical bodies. I speak a blessing over your rest, over your uh, uh, recreation time, over your time with your family, and even over your time at work. Bless them, Father, with peace and steadiness steadfastness and joy bless them with joy the joy of the Lord may it rise up may smiles be on their lips may laughter just flow I speak the blessing that Jesus came to give you the blessing of life and a life of abundance a life of overflow A blessing of knowing their father, their good, good father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay.